Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome, everyone, to the 252nd Stone Cold Sober Podcast episode. Um, take two, I guess. <laughs> it is take two. I messed this up last time because I wasn't hitting record. Um, yeah. I was apologizing to Sandy as well as to you all, listener, to all the listeners for not recording an episode last week. The intention was to do one with, with Lena, but one thing led to another, and I just, and like Lena was totally down. Um, but at one point she was like sleeping, and that's what I was going to re- try to record it with her. Didn't want to wake her. It had been a long day. It just never, it never ended up working out. So sorry about that, but we're going to get back on track here. Mm hmm. Um, so. You know, we had introduced this concept a few episodes ago of story time, uh, which is a more brief and succinct storytelling uh, instead of the long form that we've done in the past. Uh, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say we're bowing to the pressure of today's audience where three hour long forms are not as in, but I will say that... Uh, I think it helps keep us on track and we can probably fit in more stories that way that certainly have a more unified uh, theme. And so, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, Carolyn and I just got back from a European tour. And so the next few episodes are just going to be breaking up this one trip into four succinct and disparate chapters. First one being the Berlin part of the trip. The second one being the London part of the trip. The third one being the Paris part of the trip. And the fourth one being about trying to get home. Okay, got it. Cool. So, we, uh, so we're going to go back about 10-ish days. Uh, our flight is like late uh, at JFK. We're talking like midnight, I want to say. Something late. And um, we're at JFK. We did, get there early. Did you Uber or take the train? We Ubered. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we had uh, enough luggage where even if we had left early, we just didn't want to be lugging our luggage around. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, Lane and I did that in London. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> and we'll get to actually. Uh, <laughs> let's go off episode. the rails we real quick. We did in London and in Paris. Maybe you, yes. maybe you did both too. No, we didn't actually. <laughs> okay. In London, there's this thing called stasher hmm. where you can stash your bags in a place for like six pounds and just travel without bags. And then you pick up, it's sort of like a dry cleaning ticket. You just pick it up by the end of the day. For how long? So and for then, one day, six, six pounds. Yeah. That's awesome. Where is it? Yeah. Any, it's like in, in tons of places. We did it at a mailbox, like a, oh. like a PO box. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into like this. A, yeah. I mean, I hate lugging stuff around. And so we don't do that. You know, um, and I think there's places, probably more places than you would think are doing that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, it's good to know a name. Now I know. It's certainly good to know a name. Um, anyways, so, uh, flight got delayed and I was end up, that was a night, I think it was like Thursday night football. Cause I was watching, uh, Eagles Packers and it was on at JFK. And so I'm watching the game, watching the game, watching the game. 
And then we notice that our friends are now at JFK and they're taking a different flight. They're taking a flight from JFK to Sweden to Berlin. And we did it from there to Paris to Berlin. We were all flying like different ways to get in. Um, and then they're like, oh, this is actually our terminal. And we realized at that point that we were actually sitting at the wrong gate. Uh, I thought that our gate was one thing. Our tickets were saying the gate was, was one thing, then I, but they must have changed it at some point. And then uh, we uh, we just had to hustle over at the last minute. But the flight over to Berlin, uh, to Paris, and then from Paris to Berlin was uh, was really easy getting from the Berlin train station to the uh, apartment that we rented was super easy. Uh, we had a really nice dinner the first night, uh, I think because we had been traveling for so long and we'd only been eating airport food that like we were really <laughs> craving like real solid food. Uh, so I got a, a, a Wiener Schnitzel, which is like, uh, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's one of the, like their staples. It's basically breaded. It's like a breaded pork chop that they fry. Um, no, you can get a chicken. Yeah, you can get like a chicken schnitzel, but basically the idea of a schnitzel is like a breaded, uh, a breaded piece of meat that they fry, and it's sort of like, uh, I mean that pretty pretty much sums it up. And they serve the Wiener schnitzel uh, on a uh, on like a potato salad, like cold potato salad, uh, and I, I I dig it a lot. Um, and so the next day, the day before the marathon, we all decided that we were going to go to the Marathon Expo, which happens to be at an old Berlin airport. It's at the Tegel Airport. And this, dude, this is an airport that's like smack bam in the middle of the city. But it's just, it's not running. So we're walking through like empty uh, terminals. We're walking onto the tarmac. We're like in these like massive uh, hangars. Um Oh, and what was disappointing though was I didn't pre-order a jacket or like any like uh, marathon paraphernalia. And in order to get like the higher prize items, like the windbreaker or the or whatever, you had to pre-order it. And normally I would be totally down to pre-order this kind of stuff. Right. Unfortunately, the website didn't have any images. Huh. leading up to it so you had to just plunk down like 120 or 150 euro on like quote-unquote a jacket and you had no image of what it was going to look like and that would just that just felt like a bridge too far you know yeah yeah absolutely like what if it what if it was like the most <laughs> ugliest thing ever no, i'm totally with you man you gotta know you want to know what you're getting you want to know what you're buying all right um anyways but once we got there and we saw it, it was like it was a gorgeous jacket, dude. It's like an Adidas jacket. Um, it's like an oxblood maroon color base with like silver lettering on top of it. It looks really dope. I'm still trying to figure out a way to get my hands on like a, a men's small. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out if eBay is the right way to go, if like they're selling it anywhere. Um, but the, the, the men's small was certainly sold out. Anyways, so this is the day before. So we're there. Oh, at one point, we're all like taking photos. It's me, you know, my friend Greg, Napoon, Pat, Ricky, we're all taking photos. And then somebody fired off a starter gun. Uh, I think they were like, you know, mimicking what will happen on race day. And when they fired the starter pistol, all of us Americans like got really nervous all of a sudden. We're like, Cause it's a it's a gun sound, and a gun sound in public 
does not sound like a car backfiring. It doesn't sound like anything else. It sounds like a gun. Except nobody else around us was like. No one's faced. No one was faced. Just, just like, oh, you guys it's cool. like duck We're firing a starter pistol. And I'm like, are we out here firing nine mils all of a sudden? Like, do we have to hit the deck? You know? <laughs> wow. Like, it, it, it's just like, it's crazy that, like, stuff like that becomes normal to, like, that shouldn't be a normal reaction. Right? Right. It shouldn't be like, oh my God, we're getting, people are shooting. It's like, no, nah, that's, that's not, that's not a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. Anyways, I'm not trying to get political. But, uh, I figured I'd call that out. Um, you know, then we went to go get breakfast, which was nice, and we ended up, Carol and I ended up, like, taking in some sights with some friends, and here is one thing that happened that I did not plan for. Whereas the day before the marathon, I ended up walking over 12 miles. Really? Yeah, because things were, like, one mile away, 1.5 miles away. The weather would, like, rain in spurts, but it, when it wasn't raining, it was really nice out. So I was just ended up walking, and it just felt good, I thought, to keep the legs loose. Uh, but I think I overdid it on the amount of miles because uh, normally you shouldn't be, like, tying your body out because 12 miles is still 12 miles. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. Um, and so I didn't realize until the very end. I was like, oh, my God, it's 12 miles. Um, that's... That's mistake number one. Uh, mistake number two. Uh, staying in a place with many, many people. So we had booked a two-bedroom apartment uh, when we got there. there was, it was a, only a true one-bedroom apartment. The other bed was like in the living room. And so Carol and I got that room. But it was almost like, uh, like you know that uh, little like half wall that you have when you walk into your apartment? Yeah imagine that's the wall that like sort of like surrounds on two sides of bed it's almost like if you were to indent like a like an office space right but there happened to be a an actual bed okay and so you know there's norm there's like three people in that apartment that were running it because greg ended up getting himself hurt and he wasn't going to run so him his wife his wife's sister his wife's sister and his friend from home were like crashing with them they decided to go out drinking the night before <laughs> the marathon. <laughs> and the, the sleep before a marathon is not the best sleep you'll get. Uh, they also decided to come home at like 1.30 in the morning, super hammered. And so they certainly woke us uh, They certainly woke us up when they got home. And that was not appreciated. Mm. So lesson number two is don't stay in a massive thing. With people who aren't running the marathon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If everyone was running the marathon, we'd all be on our best behavior and going to sleep. Very you much so, I mean? yeah. Um, and then so my friend Napoon and I are in the same corral. We're like, we we wake up, we stretch, we eat, we drink our coffee, we go to the bathroom, and then we make our way to the, the starting line. And I serendipitously brought like a uh, a couple of sheets of toilet paper <laughs> thinking just in case so, well, just because in case, of all right? your poop stories yeah right uh we get to the start air starting area and there's like thousands of people right there's like i think there's like i don't know how many people ran i don't know if you can quickly look that up while i'm telling the story like how many people ran the 2019 berlin marathon i'll, I'll do that right now yeah so we also didn't know how the porta potties were going to be set up. So the first area of porta potties, we stand in line, and there's like a ton of people standing in line there as well. 
we later realize that there's way more porta potties the deeper you go. So that's another lesson we learned. Yeah. Um, 62,444 participants from 150 nations. Yeah. 44,000 finished. 62,000 participants, 44,000 finished? Yeah, and wow. it, says, it also says, and about 11,000 breakfast run participants. I don't know what that is actually. I don't know what that means. Huh, okay. I don't know what that means. Anyways, um, what was interesting then was we were standing in line. There's like a lot of Americans, like people wearing really cool marathon shirts from all over the world, which I thought was really neat. Normally I wear like the same stuff I train in. So it's like, it doesn't have any like lettering or anything on it. Um, and we get to the porta potty, we get in and there is no toilet paper. And so I thought, oh my God, thank God. Not only did I have some toilet paper on my person, but I also gave some to my friend. So that this way we're not like caught in this area, like because we both needed to go one last time when we needed toilet paper, hmm. and that's just like one last thing you want to have to deal with yeah. when you're about to run twenty six miles. Right. So you know, th- so far, uh, three mistakes: one being walking twelve miles, another being staying with a ton of people, and one being using the early uh, early porta potties. But we have one in our favor, which is. Uh, you always bring toilet paper. You never know. You'd rather be safe than sorry. Uh, I mean, Carolyn and I, we ran a half marathon today in Staten Island. Oh, and we brought, oh wow. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. And we brought uh, toilet paper. And uh, we didn't need it, but I was thankful that we had it. You know? Yeah. Anyways. So we're in the starting corral area, and there's, like, massive waves that they're letting people go, like, thousands at a time. But this way, we're not running all, we're not all running on top of each other. And... Because I'm not running on data, I thought that I had a playlist that was already saved to my phone. Oh, no. And it's normally like my favorite artist, Gregory Allen Isakov. He's like a folk singer. He slings, he sings slower stuff. So the idea is like I can't run fast to, to this beat, you know? Right, right. Um, but, you know, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. So I figured, oh, why don't I put up some Kanye just to get myself amped, like a controlled amp. And I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, I'll put a couple of Kanye songs before the playlist would start. And I think what had happened was as I start to cross the starting line, the Kanye song plays. And then for some reason, I don't have service. And I think because it was starting to it was it kept trying to find the next song that there was no music playing in my headphones. Right. And this was the first run I had ever done where I had my headphones in for sure, but no music. And what better time to try something new than on race day? <laughs> on Just the sound day. of your breathing and your, and your feet stomping, and I guess like the thousands and thousands of yeah. people running around you and cheering you on. And it was kind of interesting because the headphones were in. I didn't have the hear through turned on, so some, sometimes there's like an external mic that can like play the surrounding things. Okay. So yeah. it felt like everything was muted. And you're right, it was basically listening to my breathing for four hours. Okay. So that's another mistake. So that's four mistakes and, and one thing in my favor. Now, Napoon and I are running, and I certainly got busy with work right before like the last two weeks so it was tough to end on a good note but i certainly got all the runs in and there was no uh health issues going into this one and it was it started to rain and then our bibs tore off because it was raining so hard so we were holding our bibs in our hands and i ran a really consistent race um and i definitely it was two minutes faster than my previous one so that's always good 
uh, and, you know, Carolyn met me at three different places. She handed off water bottles and, you know, I think, uh, I wanted to do better. And I think, and I've said this before and you're going to laugh at me, but strength training is something that I think I was viscerally reminded of this time around. One of the interesting things, one of the interesting things is I have Carolyn hold a spare water bottle so that when I meet her, like at the halfway mark, we swap out water bottles. So I have a fresh, like, Gatorade water mixture. But what I tend to forget is I've drank most of the first bottle. So the bottle gets lighter as you're running further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when you refill, that's a heavy water bottle again. Yeah. And then we and then she refilled it again for the final 10K. And I was just like, man, like, my biceps and triceps are getting kind of sore like swinging this thing back and forth <laughs> that is funny you're right i was gonna laugh you know <laughs> no but it's like it's it's something that you don't take into account because you're swinging your arms the entire time running yeah yeah and at a certain point it gets lighter but it's also like it also doesn't i would say it's know? not necessarily just a thing of strength training i mean i've been talking about this all day today because we've had a lot of visitors visiting gordon and i was talking about how like we we were on that flight to florida and holding him for two hours like he's light and all but you sit there and hold them in one position for like two hours and you start to realize like even though the position that you're sitting in is pretty comfortable, when you're holding that for a sustained period, all of a sudden you start to get like a really weird feeling in your back as, you start, as you're like supporting his weight. You try to shift it around and everything, but you just can never find a comfortable spot. And it's not like a lack of strength training, but just doing it for so long, it's, it's, it's annoying. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else? Uh, so, you know, running it and then I tried, so I was running it with my friend the entire time and we, uh, we were, we were through it for the most part. And I think at around like 30 K, so they do, they don't obviously don't, they don't track the marathon in miles. They track it in kilometers. So it's 26.2 miles. It's like 42.19 something (laughs) kilometers. Okay. Um, what was interestingly, what was nice about the kilometer is that every time you see a kilometer, you feel like you're making way more progress. And so in my mind, I'm able to, instead of cut it into like weird, like ways to cut up marathon miles. Right. Cause 26 is weird. Um, I cut it into four 10 Ks. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's just like, it's nice to be like, all right, zero to 10 K is one thing. 11 to 20 is like, you know, visually it's like, there's always a one. And then there's always a two and there's always, and then there's only threes and then four, you know, like it's sort of, it kept it pretty, pretty nice, uh, to some, in some regards. Um, and I, and I tried pushing at the, uh, 30 ish K mark. Cause I was looking at my watch and I was doing the math and I was like, Oh man, like if I want to be, uh, if I want to be under four hours, I'm like right at the four hour mark right now. And I really got to push. So I just started like running harder and harder. And I separated from my friend and my friend and I had this unspoken, spoken, but unspoken rule that like whoever felt really good would just push. And the other person wouldn't feel like, uh, left behind, you know, it's like you're running together, but you're not running together. Okay. That makes sense. Right. And then, uh, for the next, like, I want to say, 5k i was like running about 30 to 
30 to 40 seconds faster. But then at a certain point, like I just felt like I didn't have that additional gear that I needed. And that's probably also from strength training. That's probably also just from a ton of other things. Um, but I just couldn't keep it. And then my friend caught up to me again. <laughs> and and uh, that was sort of a, a wake up call to be like, oh, he, you need to you need to continue to train harder because you need to be able to dig for another gear. Uh, I ended up running it uh, faster than him by like maybe 20-ish seconds by the end. Okay. But um, we're not competing, me and him. I think we're competing against our own time. Yeah, certainly. And so, I, But it's great I, to have somebody kind of there pushing you, yeah. right? Like you might not be competing against each other, but but you do still push each other, which is great. Right, right. And so uh oh the last thing um managing energy and nutrients during a race uh throughout my entire training this summer i took a lot of salt tablets the salt tablets there being to replenish the salt so that my body has more energy to you know pull from i've lost a lot of salt um I haven't been training with a lot of like the uh, the energy gels, you know. How does that uh, taste? Ge- Sorry, I got a question. How the does gels, that taste? I mean, I can give you a gel the next time. It doesn't taste good. Well, how about, and, it tastes and, like <laughs> sickly sweet, you know, like synthetically okay. sweet. And what about the salt um, tablets? Salt tablets taste fine. It's just really? like uh, okay. they're like a lemon flavored or whatever. I see. Got it. Um, but when you chew into it, you can taste the salt. Mm-hmm. It's not like table salt, but like it's yeah, it's salty. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it's honestly not as bad as you think it is. I think okay. maybe even during my uh, face is like squinched up. I don't know if you could if you could hear. I that I can in hear my it. voice. I can hear it. <laughs> I think the next time I see you, I'll have you try like a, a salt tablet. Okay, cool. Um, because I feel like you also probably sweat a lot during like your intense. Oh, dude, way right? too much. <laughs> but how are you replenishing? Are you just drinking water? Yeah. That's not enough. That that just uh, scientifically that's not enough. Yeah. Because you're not drinking water with electrolytes in it, probably. No, not at all. And you also don't want to be drinking too much sugar because then your stomach's going to turn. Like, I remember when, when you came out and cheered me on in uh, New York last year, I didn't eat dinner. Yeah. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, like, I do. How does somebody who runs a marathon not have an appetite? It's like, well, because I had six goos and my stomach was coated in sugar and like didn't want to eat anything. Um. I took it to the extreme in Berlin. I didn't take a single... I had half a goo and no salt tablets. My buddy was like, he took like 12 salt tablets, four goos. And it, and people were like really astounded. That like I wasn't introducing more energy sources into me, into myself. And I think part of it was because it was colder. It was raining. It didn't feel like I was overheating. It didn't feel like I needed it per se. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's like what's what's certainly interesting about it was the extreme that I took it to. I didn't mean to do it, and I think I've learned a hard lesson of like, you know, it's probably it's it's very important that I do what I do in training on race day. So that's also another mistake. I, I don't know if taking the goose or the salt tablets would have resulted in. Uh, in me getting more energy but uh it certainly could have been a factor um you know getting done with the race was really cool you run through the brandenburg gate and i sprinted towards the end the last 200 meters and oh really nice 
yeah, it's like it's one of those things where you, you you've gotten this far, right? What's a little bit more pain? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and then you know the end area is just a shit show because there's thousands of runners. I'm on data, but the data is not reliable. So I'm trying to text Carolyn. Where are you? Where are we trying to meet? And the night before, we sort of talked about like, oh, we point onto a map like if this is a, a post-run area that we'll meet somewhere here. And I think one of the things is if you're ever doing this abroad or even sort of domestically, it's important to pick like an actual location on a map, mm-hmm. like uh, like an A. It's almost like an exfil, right? Like you need an A, a site and a B site. And those sites have to be like real places so that you can easily understand where they are. You know, I was roaming. The data wasn't good. We were getting jammed up because thousands of people were using their phones. And so our text messages were coming in like out of order. Yeah. And so we were like, you know how that works, right? Like you just start to answer things that, that don't, uh, that don't necessarily pertain. Yeah. It happened at the Brooklyn half that first time that we came out there like two, three years ago. And oh yeah i remember it was extreme, like uh, uh, out, on, out on coney island it was insanely difficult to to get in touch with people i remember trying to i think i was trying to text your sister because you had given us her contact information and we weren't able to meet up with them until a while later because the messages just weren't going through and it also happened during the new york marathon as well right um so we just learned that like you know, definitely have an A site, have a B site. So we ended up having to sort of fumble through the uh, the realization that we weren't going to be able to meet up. And so we both had to take the subway to the beer garden that everyone else was meeting up at. Um, so I actually had to take uh, a subway to an above ground tram to walk like five minutes to the beer garden to meet up with everybody. Um, because I was sort of the last person there. I sent my friend that I finished with to go to the beer garden first, and then everyone else had gone there before I did, yada, yada, yada. Um, overall, though, like it was, a, it was a fun experience. It was great to finish. It was also great to finish without injury. Um, my buddy, who had devoted his entire summer to this training uh, because he wanted to qualify for Brooklyn, uh, the way that you qualify for Brooklyn is very different than all of these, right? Like for New York, you can either raise like $5,000 or you do the nine plus one that Carolyn and I do. For yeah, okay. Berlin, it's a lottery. For m- most other, like for Tokyo, I had to, uh, I basically had to front the money to, to run Tokyo um, and all this stuff. And with uh boston it's a little different you have to qualify uh with a time of within your age bracket and the way they do it is they take all the times that are faster so like if you're within a certain age group they start with the fastest times and they get first and then once they run out of a certain number of spots for that age group they move on and so this so like they say that you know in our age group I don't know what the actual age like sort of gap is, but within this like series of ages, you needed uh, Boston, not Brooklyn, right? Sorry. Okay. Um. Uh, you need a. They said like a two fifty five. A two hour fifty five, time to like be on the, the right side of things. 
and my buddy threw down a 251. Wow. And he has an incredible photo wow. where, like, he is smiling with the sun rising above him <laughs> through the Brandenburg Gate. Yeah. Like, he, he has it on his Instagram. And if I were him, I'd, I'd order that photo in the largest size possible and blow that up. Because it's not every day where you dedicate your life over the course of a few months to, to a singular goal mm-hmm. and then achieve that goal. Because if you don't achieve that goal, you don't know if you'll be able to devote that amount of work back to it ever again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes you only have one shot. You know, Papa Doc had one shot. <laughs> is that how that's? Is this how this works? Um, you're out here talking about. You're out here talking about Papa Doc to me. It's great. This is this is yeah. a great moment of my life. Anyways, so that's 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 Berlin. In a, in a nutshell, everyone at the end, like the very next day, uh, some people as early as four in the morning just started bouncing. Uh, some people went to Hamburg in Germany on their way to Oktoberfest at the end of the week. Other people went to Prague and then Oktoberfest. Some people went to, I think, Poland or something. So it was, it was and Carol and I went to London. And what was fantastic was we all came here for a singular purpose. It was great that we 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 got to see familiar faces in foreign lands, and then we uh, we moved on. There so, you go. Yeah. How, so that's that's uh that's Berlin. Yeah. How how do you feel after it? I mean, you've already felt, moved on to another race and everything. Yeah, I felt really tired after it, and it was nice that. Even in London and Paris, we were very active the entire time. Uh, it didn't prevent me from walking at least 10 miles a day Yeah, for like every day while we were out there. So we definitely got the miles down. Um, I'm certainly not going to be running New York seriously this year. I think it's all about finishing. So I'll be running it way slower to avoid injury. Okay. Um, I also need to like get my body right so that I don't shock my body into an injury because... The turnaround time between Berlin and New York is less than a month. Uh, today's half marathon was the first long run, serious long run, and my knee started flaring up, and it wasn't a good sight, you know. I think the my right Achilles. I was trying to potentially, I might have potentially tried to take a little bit more off of the right Achilles by favoring my left leg, but then my left knee flares up, and I've been in this situation before. And after the run, my groin started to, started to feel really tight. I felt like my entire body was like compensating for itself. Um, and I don't want there to be long-term injury because after New York, I get a few weeks off of like serious running, but then I have to pick it back up again because I want to, knock on wood, um, really take Tokyo training more seriously because I'm hoping there won't be as uh, as much travel. You know, there still there still will be travel, and there still be things that have to be done. But I'm hoping that I'll be able to train a little bit smarter, more all encompassing, so that uh, I see continued success in this uh, in the marathon career that I have. Yeah. All right. Well, that's I think that's Berlin. Yeah. We'll uh, move there next to next episode then, right? For the next part. Yeah. Let's just do that. All right. Well, I'm Reza. I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week.